Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's Xavi. If you know me, I'm happy you're here. If you don't, I converted a moving truck into a tiny home amidst the pandemic, gave up my place, and hit the road. Starting in Vancouver, I drove to Miami and realized that there was too much adventure not to share. So to fill you in on my journey, the Play On Foundation presents the Two Degrees Podcast. Why two degrees? Because I'm now a snowbird and escaping two degree weather. I built the truck wrong and the majority of the weight is on the passenger side, so we're tilted at two degrees. But also, I'm going to catch up with industry professionals who I'm glad to call friends and bring you two degrees of separation away from them and what they do. So, welcome to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Playon Foundation for Neurological Research and Brain Aneurysm Detection and Prevention. To learn more about the Playon Foundation, check out www.letsplayon.org. But for now, enjoy the show. But first, a quick word. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at Peeled Fruit Book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Where, where are you at right now? Um, I'm currently in LA, uh, Santa Monica. Okay, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I've been, uh, I listened to a few of the, uh, the previous episodes you had there. And yeah. uh, it's, it's been, been fun to kind of follow your journey and, oh, sweet. and uh, just see you going out on your own exploring. Um, I can I can definitely relate to that that concept. Um, about ten years ago, I took a year off and went on a uh, a backpacking trip, just oh, a backpack and yeah. items, and uh, it, it's it's a journey, man. So I'm I'm happy for you that uh, you're getting a chance but to do something like that. Before we dive into that, um, let's let's make yeah. it official. Um, welcome everybody to the Two Degrees Podcast, brought to you by the Play On <laughs> Foundation. Today's guest. Um, I'm, I'm so stoked to have him on here because I am such a massive fan of his work. And I think the thing that makes it so fun is that he's genuinely having fun. So everybody, we got Dwayne Pereira, also known as Dwayne Shoots Toys on Instagram. And if you haven't started following his page, especially if like you're a nineties kid, eighties baby, like get on it because it's just the the content is just 100% nostalgia and it's it it'll take you back and put a smile on your face but um yeah how are you doing um so you were saying uh you went backpacking tell me about that yeah yeah that was uh 2010 and mm-hmm. uh to give you a bit of backstory it was uh an interesting time in my life because I had just turned 29 and uh, at that time I was dreading the idea of turning 30 like i thought hmm. man 30 that's that's ancient you know and yeah, i thought yeah. by that age i would have had a family kids a stable job and all that and i had none 
of it, right? Mm. Um, and also at the same time, I had uh, just gotten out of a long-term relationship after dating someone for three and a half years. And I was um, also frustrated with work and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of uh, thought it would be a good idea just to press the reset button, get a new perspective on things and uh, just completely shock my system. Mm. So uh, what I decided to do was uh, take a year off and um, just go backpacking everywhere. And uh, I, what I wanted to do was just get a, a taste of uh, every continent in, in the world, except for nice. Antarctica. But uh, I, uh, yeah, so I flew to, um, started off in Spain and went through Western Europe and then the Middle East and Africa and Asia and uh, Australia, South America, and then came back home. And it was uh, by far the most transformative year of my life um, mm. because the way I did it, it was very um, shoestring budget, like staying in hostels, doing couch surfing, just meeting people and experiencing cultures from the perspective of local people. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah, completely changed the, the way I saw things and it changed um, my values as far as, uh, um, you know, back then, before I had taken the trip, I was kind of materially focused, I guess you could say. Um, you know, valuing material things or at least being more attached to them or wanting all these nice things. And then after this trip, I started to re value um, experiences more so. Mm. And uh, now I would say I'm hardly attached to material items at all. I mean, I can appreciate nice material things, but for me, what's more valuable is just having the, the opportunity to experience things and spending my time doing fulfilling, um, engaging things. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Could you share any particular experiences that kind of shook you and, and have played a big role in molding the person you are today? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, when I was traveling, one of the things I enjoyed the most was experiencing cultures that were very different than what I was accustomed to in, in the, the modern developed world. So I loved going to places that were still developing a little bit, a little bit rough around the edges and seeing, um, you know, in Africa and Asia, how people were able to be so fulfilled and happy living a simplistic life, right. Yeah. And taking joy yeah. in these little, little thing, little things, whether that's um, creating or working on projects that, uh, you know, are fun or, you know, just uh, sharing good times with family and friends and all that. And it was, um, just kind of changed the perspective I had on things, you know? And, yeah. And uh, I also did a lot of exciting stuff too. Like, you know, I tried to plan certain legs of the trip around events. Like, uh, you know, I, I ran with the bulls in um, Spain wow. and uh, I we went to Oktoberfest in Germany and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I did a whole bunch of like crazy things. Incredible. Right. And it was just like a once in a lifetime trip just to kind of shake things up. And like I said, like I, I didn't, it was on a kind of a shoestring budget. So I, I only had a few thousand dollars when I was starting out. So most of the money was borrowed on credit and stuff like that. So yeah. I ended up going into a bit of debt to do this trip, but uh, it, it was well worth it because it, it was uh, a life-changing event. And I'm glad I did it uh, at an early age. Um, hmm. You know, I, I hear so many people saying I'm going to, you know, work hard. And then when I, you know, retire, then I can start doing those things. Right. But yeah. um, I'm glad I did it young because like I can take those experiences and, and everything I learned from them and then apply 
them to the rest of my life, right? And I was still young and healthy and able to move around. Who knows what I'm going to be like when I'm 65, 70, if I can even, you know, walk around as much as I could back then. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm it's very, funny. Very it's funny that you say um, you did it young. When I think of going out and and exploring and stuff, I think doing it young is like taking advantage of that gap year between high school and college, and then with all the exploring and stuff that I did, I did that all post school and I felt like I'm just catching up to all the other kids that kind of did take advantage of that gap year. Right. So okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And you brought up a really interesting um, turn of phrase um, talking about how people are so fulfilled in those third world countries. And there's one story that always resonates with me. And I was 10 years old and I was in the Philippines being born in Canada, went back to the Philippines for the first time. And I remember just being so miserable because the family on my mom's side there, they didn't have any gaming consoles. Right. And I was <laughs> so bored. And I look out and I see these kids and, and this game, all it is, is you put a circle in the sand and then all the kids take one of their slippers, puts it in the circle, and then they take their other slipper. And the objective is to throw it into the, those pile of slippers and knock out the other slippers. And that was right. the game. And these <laughs> kids were so happy. And I was like, I want, I want my game, my Game Boy. I want my. And I was like, such a little prat. But that's a moment that stays with me, and and it really, you know gives me perspective on what it takes to be fulfilled. And it's like, I feel like not, not saying I, I shot myself in the foot or my parents, you know, shot my foot by giving me all of the things that they didn't have. And then at the same time, it's like, that's the effort that they're putting in is they're trying to give me everything that they didn't have. But then at the same time, now I'm, in this world of like, oh, I'm not happy because I don't have enough. And it's just, oh, man, it's it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I definitely think a lot of people, especially in the Western world, in North America, could really benefit by uh, just traveling a little bit more. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. when I was, uh, you know, traveling, I met quite a few Australians. And mm. it, it, traveling is a huge part of the culture down there. Oh, They're my always, goodness, yeah going to Australia, going to Asia, Thailand, all these different places, right? And a lot of them are very well cultured because of that. And uh, you know, it gives you a certain perspective. Whereas here in North America, there isn't as much of an uh, emphasis on that. Like, you know, people yeah. will go to Mexico to their, you know, resort vacations, which is cool. But, you know, it's not quite as uh, common for people to go overseas and ex truly experience um, foreign culture. So I think people could really, really benefit from that. And it's like, especially with Australians, I don't know what it, it is in their schooling system, but it's, it's ingrained where they yeah. take advantage of the fact that, especially within Canada and the West coast of Canada, where they take advantage of the fact that it's all Commonwealth. So you can go and work there where mm -hmm. for myself hearing that I want to say I was mid twenties. And I was like, why is this the first time that I'm hearing this? Why couldn't this have been instilled in my education in high school saying, hey, this is also an option where I had absolutely zero clue. And so 
something about Australia, like they're they're just doing it right, and they're they're still fairly young, and they're still evolving, as seen through like the way that their government is giving back to their indigenous. Where why haven't we, you know, done that yet? We're still in Canada. And especially in the U.S., like still trying to beat around the bush of, oh, they want land back. Let's give them land back. It's like, no, we're, we'll, you know, just give them this treaty or we'll give them whatever. It's like, give them what they're asking for. And with that, like next to Australia and New Zealand, New Zealand is on point when it comes to just cultural diversity and having it all together. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah. And- I was going to say, even here in Alberta, like uh, if you go skiing on any of the mountains here, um, half of the ski instructors are all Australian. Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see. Oh, man. <laughs> so everyone's, yeah, they're all coming over here and uh, experiencing foreign culture, which is great. Now, I want to go back to the, that, uh, the travel story and, and to dive more into the ending where you went to shake things up and then you got back home. And then where was your mind? Yeah, see, that, that was interesting because um, before I left on my trip, I had no idea what I was going to do when I came <laughs> back, right? I didn't have any kind of job lined up. I was just, you know, just decided to go out and come back and whatever happens, happens. Um, when I came back, there, there was um, a period where I was still a little bit uh, uncertain about the future as far as career, mm-hmm. but I had a lot better understanding of myself and um you know there were lots of insecurities that i had been able to address while i was on the road just as far as like can i ask what your schooling was and if you were working before you went yeah so um kind of a weird story i guess uh so i studied uh, i studied computer engineering in university okay um i didn't do it because i was super passionate about computers or engineering <laughs> it was just one of those things where growing up I didn't really know what I would do as a career mm-hmm. and my parents kind of pushed me in the direction of either becoming a doctor or an engineer um, I decided engineering and uh, but by the time I graduated I realized my heart was not in it at all gotcha. um, so I got my degree and that satisfied my parents um, but I never worked as an engineer um, at that time, my passion was actually uh, music and uh, making beats, wow. uh, doing production, music production. Um, so what my would dream. You, what would your Instagram was, name be then for that? Um, I, I, I didn't really have an Instagram. I, I did create a small one a couple of years ago, but uh, I went under a few different names. I was um, originally. The Do I make beats? <laughs> no, no, no. It was um, deeper era production. So. My first hmm. initial is D, last name is Pereira. So I kind of put them together deeper era, kind of a play on that. Yeah. Um, but later on, I joined up with a, a friend of mine and we went under the name Ansane, which was a fusion between my name and his name, which is Anson. Hmm. Um, but uh, so my, my dream was to become a music producer. And I thought for the longest time that that was any, like that was everything I would ever do. I would never pursue any kind of art like I do now. Um, and uh, it, was, it was tough. It was very tough, you know, mm-hmm. um, financially especially. But um, I managed to get by for, for quite a while just by, you know, licensing beats to up-and-coming artists and providing background music for TV shows. Um, 
luckily there were like tons and tons of reality shows that needed background music. So yeah, um, I was able to submit just generic uh, hip hop beats to them. Are you still and, receiving uh, residuals off of those? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Like a lot That's of that really stuff cool. I wrote back in like 2008 all the way to 2012. And I'm mm -hmm. still getting royalties from, from ASCAP for uh, just random, the most random placements. Like a lot of them are reality shows, but I did get uh, 15 seconds of background music on one episode of Dr. Phil, which was kind of cool. That's great. And then Judge Judy, I had a, like a small segment, but a lot of them were like um, international versions of popular shows. So there was like yeah. New Zealand's Next Top Model and just like random, wow. <laughs> random shows, yeah. right? um impractical jokers was another one that I had a lot of music on so like just sports broadcasts that kind of stuff so um, i'm still fortunately able to um get a little bit of income from from that before we and, we uh, dive off that so and I, back into the story um could you quickly like yeah. give a, a summary of how you broke into that because when it comes to music i just had another guest on where he was trying to be a face in terms of performing and being being the next hottest thing in R&B but then he found his niche in getting placements mm. so what was what was your trick to get your foot in that door the the concept that I had was basically trying to create as much of a, of a buzz online as possible and then getting people to come to you right mm. um so we initially just started out uh, just making beats and giving tons and tons of stuff away for free. And uh, there were websites like um, back in the early days, there was mp3.com, but then later on SoundClick was a big one. Yeah. And uh, we gave away tons and tons of beats for free. And that got us a lot of um, online publicity. And through there, um, music supervisors for different TV shows started reaching out Right. And uh, you started making little contacts here and there and um, you just sort of started to build. And, and it got to the point where I wasn't making crazy money, but I was able to make enough to pay my bills at the end of every month. And that That's to me the was dream was of a, an artist, man. Exactly. A big yeah. success. And, and uh, you know, for the longest time, my, my dream was to produce for, you know, the top of the top pop artists like Justin Bieber or something yeah. like that. Right. And I still think that would be great, but, um, you know, I, I was doing that for a while, just kind of getting by. And uh, then that, then it came to the point where I, I got frustrated with everything in my life. And that's when I kind of took the trip because I had been working mm -hmm. at it for so many years and didn't really have that, that peak level of success that I, I was looking for. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd gotten to the point where I can pay my bills, but still wasn't at the top. And this is after like making music for seven, eight nine years right and yeah it's kind of frustrating right Fair. but uh yeah so i you know then went on my trip and came back and i was you know kind of like i said i'd addressed a lot of the insecurities that i had um didn't really feel a need to prove myself to people as, as much as i did before um i think uh there may have been kind of an underlying urge to like prove that i had material success uh, to people and i had gotten rid of that i think a lot of it by the time i got back from my trip which was great and uh, i was kind of messing around with music a little bit but still you know not quite sure what direction i wanted to take and um then uh, i i got into photography and uh this was 
well, a few years later, this was about 2018, 17, around there. And uh, I got into photography because I wanted to learn how to take better travel photos when I was on vacation mm. and stuff, right? Because all the photos that I took on my, my big trip, they were all taken with like a really terrible point and shoot camera. <laughs> so I went to all these amazing places and I have terrible photos to show for it. So, so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I decided that, uh, you know what, I need to learn how to use a camera. Fair. So I got a camera and... You know, in, in the process of learning how to use it and experimenting, I would uh, take photos of random items around the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember one day I was on YouTube and I saw people that were taking photos of model cars. And I saw that and I was like, wow, this is really cool because they were making it look realistic. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little bit more digging and I found this entire community of action figure photographers. And when I saw that, I absolutely fell in love with that concept um, because it reminded me of being a child again. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, I had quite a few toys, but, you know, but when I became a teenager, we basically sold them all off and I didn't have anything. But then at age, I guess I was 36, 37 at that time when I started, um, I fell in love with action figures again. I decided to go out and buy a bunch of action figures and started to, to shoot them with my camera. And it's been, it's been crazy how fast things have developed. I just like immersed myself into it. And um, I um, realized that in order to create these ideas that I had in my head, I had to teach myself how to build stuff and craft and, and uh, mm. make dioramas. So I spent a lot of time on YouTube, watching tutorials, learning, teaching myself how to build uh, all kinds of props and miniatures and stuff. And, I uh, started incorporating those into my dioramas and um, things just snowballed from there. And it's, you've seen a lot of my journey. Like uh, yeah. know, I started kind of making, making simple stuff and it's been progressing um, year after year. And I feel like I'm still somewhat early in the process and I have a lot to learn. So I'm just going to keep on grinding and, and uh, trying to improve my craft. Fair. Um, so you use the word action figure. So I want, I want to hear your opinion on what the difference is between an action figure and a toy is. Oh, um, well, when I think of an action figure, I think of like, I guess a humanoid type character mm. that has articulation, right? So you can gotcha. move the arms, the head, the legs, that kind of stuff with toys. I mean, you, it, it might not even be a human person. It could be, um, some like a car or something, or, uh, mm. even if it is a, a figure, if you can't move the arms and the legs, I don't really consider that an action figure. Gotcha. Um, you said like you started first down this rabbit hole, seeing people take pictures of toy cars. Yeah. So with those pictures too, they use a lot of force perspective by using like real objects in the background, but then just making sure it's at the right angle. Have you, did you ever try that or did you always just dive into the dioramas? Yeah, I didn't really play around with forced perspective that much, like maybe a couple of shots uh, as an experiment. But mm. for the most part, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I just felt the, the urge to create little environments for the, the players, uh, the figures to play around in. So yeah. I've pretty much been making dioramas since the beginning. Okay, so with your final products and, and, and photos that you share, you need to be a dope photographer because you got to find the right angles 
You need to be great with lighting. Mm-hmm. You need, you've used Photoshop to just do fine details and then figure that out. Um, you've, <laughs> you've incorporated your computer engineering for 3d modeling now, which is dope. <laughs> and then at the same time, now you're also um, designing because like you essentially have to, especially when you print um, things out and then you, you paste them on in such an artistic way where it's realistic. So now you're incorporating all of these other aspects to, to your final product. Where did you get the time to learn everything? Well, I don't have a day job. So I basically spend all my time just trying to learn. I mean, that's the issue right now. Like it's, it's been very challenging financially. I've always somehow, I don't know how, but things somehow managed to work themselves out at the end of the month. Um, I've got little source of income here and there. Um, but uh, I don't have that much money right now, but I have a lot, all the time in the world basically. Yeah. And I, from the moment I wake up, I'm working on either, you know, working on a project or trying to learn a new skill yeah. or, you know, just creating. Right. Yeah. So no, that's, that's, that's the universe giving time. back, man, for, for you just yeah. focusing on your art and for, for being true to your art, that's the universe saying, okay, you'll be able to pay your bills this month. And it's like, okay, great. Now I can just continue what I was doing and having fun with that. So like it, it again, it's the value isn't in the money. And, and, and when it comes to, you know, making sure you're financially sound, that's perspective where you have people that are happy with $0 after they pay everything. But then you also have those people that no, I need to have, you know, a thousand dollars in my bank account after I've paid everything just so I can enjoy whatever, whatever. So it's like perspective is, is definitely um, a big part of that. Um, while we're on the topic of, of money, though, what's what's some exciting opportunities that your art has led you to? Yeah, it, it's been kind of crazy. Like, um, it, it kind of points to the power of social media because you never know who's watching, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the last uh, year or so, I've had some pretty cool opportunities. And, um, you know, I've been able to work with companies like Gucci and Netflix and, uh, you know, a bunch of toy companies all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of inquiries from companies that I haven't posted about yet, but I've got some pretty cool things in the works and nice. it's, it's wild, man. It's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Now what's the I'm drawing a blank on, on the term for this, not timeline, but what's the timeline from conceptualizing something to its completion well that really depends on the complexity of the scene that i'm making so turnaround time that's what i was looking for <laughs> yeah yeah so it really depends on the complexity of the scene that i'm making um and as you've seen some of my shots require me to make dozens and dozens of little miniature props whether those are like video game boxes or vinyl record covers um, in those cases, you know, it can take a long time. Whereas mm-hmm. if I'm working with pre-made props, I can get it done really quickly. So I'd say on average these days, between five to seven days um, from okay. start to finish. Um, I also like, I'm, I'm trying to make more of an effort 
for to document the process as I'm working on things too. Mm -hmm. And that can kind of slow things down a little bit because, you know, you got to set up the camera and then, you know, record myself painting yeah. something or cutting something and that kind of slows it down. But uh, I try to get things done within a week for, for most uh, of the projects that I'm working on. Pros and cons for things that are pre-made to you making it from scratch. Well, if, if I'm making something from scratch, I have complete control over the way it looks, over the size. Um, sometimes if you buy a pre-made item, um, it may look good, but it might not scale perfectly with an action figure that I have. Because yeah. all the figures that I have are different sizes. I've got big ones, I've got small ones. So, you know, if I make something myself, I know it's going to be perfectly in scale with the figure that I'm using. Right. So, um, and also just by making things, I can make things that are um, not available commercially. Right. Like uh, you know, I made a power glove or just random things that I loved in my childhood. So, yeah. Now, what's your source of inspiration for, I want to say cross genre or, or cross universe play where you'll have different characters using something that's from like another show or you'll have two very different toys and action figures interacting where does the thought come from of how or who is going to interact in your scenes that really depends like sometimes i'll look for a common thread between two different worlds so i hmm. may like try to do a play on words or incorporate some kind of pun into my scene um, sometimes I may just like the way that two characters look together aesthetically. Yeah. They may have nothing to do with each other, but, uh, you know, I just like the way they look, or it could be combining, um, think various things that I loved from my childhood. Like a like, lot of my inspiration does come from my early childhood years and teenage years, uh, eighties, nineties, early two thousands. So, um, like, I just want to describe uh, some to of these things that you've done. So you have... The Avengers with Bob Barker at Wheel of, um, not Wheel of Fortune, at Price is Right. You have Ninja yeah. Turtles playing with Pokemon cards. You got The Office. You got SpongeBob eating McDonald's. Like, it's <laughs> your, <laughs> the creativity behind this is, is, is just so amazing to see and it's like when you come up with these ideas how does it go from idea to object or paper so like because you have to figure out how they're going to stand what they're going to be doing in the scene right mm -hmm. yeah fortunately for me i feel like ideas come to me relatively easily and i feel really grateful for that um, I, I keep a, a text file on my computer where I jot down all my ideas. So anytime I get an idea, I'll immediately write it in there. And then when it comes time to do a project, I'll look through that text file and sort of pick, okay, I've, I feel inspired to work on this particular project today. Hmm. And with that idea, I, I have a kind of a vision in my head as far as generally what I think it's going to look like. And then I just start building piece by piece. So I'll lay down the floor and the walls and then start building a prop. And it just kind of takes, uh, emerges from that. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. taking photos every, you know, couple of days or every, every few hours in between the process. 
as I put new things on there just to kind of get a feel for how it's going to look. And it just uh, develops over time. Yeah. And then with that, how often do you make something that you only use once? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, quite often, actually. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, because I think one of the the most appealing aspects to what I do for myself personally is the process of creating something new. Hmm. So I love making new props and sometimes I may make something new and only use it once. Right. I, wow. I try to, I try to hang on to as many things as I can. Um, I don't want to turn this camera around because if I did, you'd see like a complete uh, disaster <laughs> of an area, toys and props and everything everywhere. Right. But um I, so I, I try to keep everything I have, and sometimes I will use certain items over and over again, especially things like um, video game boxes or, you know, like I said, the album covers and tables, chairs, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but most of my scenes will have at least, you know, one or two items that are unique to that scene. Hmm. Um, how often do you, do you ever use clay? to like make faces and stuff like that as well? Um, I used to use clay uh, before I got my 3D printer. I would use clay quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. not for making faces per se, uh, but more like making miniature props. Okay. Um, I have sculpted a few like cartoon characters, like Sesame Street type characters with clay, mm -hmm. um, but human faces, I'm, I'm still not skilled enough to do that myself, even now. Um, even the 3D printing, like often I'll print models that other people have designed. Um, but I'm, I'm in the process of learning how to, you know, model human faces and objects. It just, it's something that takes a little bit of time to learn. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. What's, what's your, what's your process of storage then? Because every artist has their own controlled chaos. So it's like, mm -hmm. If I asked you now to get um, the Pokemon cards, mm -hmm. where is it? Okay, so I, um, I keep related items together in little uh, Ziploc bags, and then I put those in plastic storage containers, okay. right? So I have all my video game-related items in one plastic container, and then I have, you know, my sneakers in another one, um, shoe boxes in another one. So I've, I kind of, there is a sense of uh, organization in the chaos. Like yeah. an outside observer probably wouldn't see it, but I, I yeah. can see it because I, I work with it all the time, right? So yeah. yeah, lots of storage bags and plastic. And we'll be right back after this short message. But in the meantime, don't forget to connect with us on our Instagram at PlayOn2013, and tell us what you think about the show. Do you like mangoes? <laughs> of course you do. And if you don't, well, I'm sure there's a high chance you might know someone who does. Well, the Two Degrees Podcast is sponsored by Peeled Fruit. No, not just random fruit that's been peeled, but the children's book about a mother's love language of peeling mango for her baby. Available for delivery on bookbaby.com, bookshop.org, Barnes & Noble, Powell's, and Amazon, just to name a few of the retailers. It even ships worldwide. Check out at 
Peeled Fruit book on Instagram for more information on how to get your copy of this heartwarming story. Peeled Fruit, illustrated by Rhoda Domingo. Now, back to the show. Now, one thing that I found really fascinating with your process is you build a scene that can be viewed from all angles. Is that intentional where you just want the scene to be done? It's an entirety or was that a lesson that you had to learn that, Oh, I, I need to, cause like, for example, I think the latest one that you posted was um, Ronaldo and Messi playing um, FIFA, but they're facing towards the TV. So you only see the back of them, but like, yeah the front of everything like they're they're in full gear and everything that's can't be seen from that angle is still completed to its entirety because like in my mind i think oh well you don't really have to care so much if the camera's not going to see it and then you should be able to cut down on time but then what's the reason for you to you know go all out that it can be a scene in, from any perspective well, usually I'm just trying to make um, as much as I need to take the shot that I have in mind. Mm. But sometimes I may make adjustments to the angle that I'm shooting from. So just in case, you know, if I decide to switch to a different angle, I want to make sure that, you know, I don't leave anything out um, so that all the bases are covered. Um, but I, I don't do all the details like in the front, like there's certain aspects that, you know, you may not mm. see <laughs> okay. that I've kind of left out just because I don't want to spend that much time doing those little things. But uh, I, I try to do as much as possible just to, to get the shot that I, I want. Because like, I, I want to say to you, you were showing your process for, you were doing video game covers where yeah. even, even for the video game cartridges itself, where it's like, it's in a pack but you make the cartridge complete and then you put it in its case or it's like, you didn't need to put the label on it if it's not going to be seen, but you still do it, which I find so fascinating. And it, it just adds to the detail, even though you can't see it, it's there. And it just adds to the fact that it's a complete scene. So I, I found that really fascinating and wanted to <laughs> pry a well, bit for that. <laughs> I, I do that for some, some of the items i don't do that for every ah, single video game case right so gotcha. part of that is, is for the camera you know <laughs> like, ah, that's um, funny just to show yeah some of the stuff i do so like maybe 10 percent of the games may have that not mm. every single one because that would that would you that's know, so funny you got me you fooled me <laughs> yeah, a little bit of camera magic for you there <laughs> that that reminds me of the time when um my dad discovered that not everything on the internet is real. <laughs> oh, right. Because, <laughs> like, when he discovered YouTube, that was it. He just went down this rabbit hole of watching every and anything on YouTube. And then it wasn't until there was the video that was done by, I want to say it was Concordia University, where it was the eagle picking up the baby okay. on the golf course. And my oh, dad, right. I, I my dad like <laughs> lost his mind. He's like, look at this. An eagle's going to get the baby. And then he's like telling everybody, make sure you're watching out for your baby in open spaces. And then they <laughs> reveal that it was not true. And it was like yeah. made up. And he was like, I've lost all trust in the internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mind blown, right? <laughs> mind blown. Oh, man. So 
now with that, let's let's go back. Let's go all the way back. What was toys like for you as a kid? Mm, so I, I was pretty fortunate. Um, my parents bought me quite a few toys. Um, so I, I was born in the early 80s, and I grew up with uh, toys like He-Man, Thundercats, G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, those kind of things, right? So um, I don't know if I was heavily into one particular franchise, but I had a little bit of everything, right? Gotcha. So I had one or two Transformers, one or two you know, Ninja Turtles, that kind of stuff, right? So mm. um, I posted a photo on my Instagram a few months ago showing my childhood toy collection. And uh, you can kind of see like there's a little bit of everything there. It's kind of chaotic, chaotic, but uh, you know, some uh, DC superheroes, Transformers, uh, all kinds of stuff, uh, Mr. T. Random, yeah. <laughs> random action feeds in there. And then, how did you used to play with them back then? Um, there were a lot of epic battles. Um, mm. GI Joes fighting each other. You know, Ninja Turtles jumping in. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I used to love cars, just driving them, and airplanes, all kinds of stuff. And sometimes I would just hold on to them while I watched the cartoon on TV. Right, is something That's just cute. to look at and. Yeah, yeah. So I, I used to love like those Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. And uh, it's such an exciting time to be a kid. What's your opinion on individuals who don't take it out of the box? Well, that's, that's their prerogative. Um, you know, the, these little toys, especially nowadays, they're, they're like little art pieces, right? So yeah. for me personally, I, I take most of my stuff out of the box, but I still have a few figures that I, I keep just for, for nostalgia. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I've got like an old, uh, like a Skeletor and, and things like that. And it, uh, it is a piece of art, especially with the artwork they have on the, on the cards, but it's, it's also like, it just triggers memories, right? It's like, yeah. oh, wow, this brings me back to the day when I got this in the store as a kid, right? So yeah. I, I can respect it for sure. What's, what's your emotion like? when because again when i see the final product just on on your instagram page like it's immediate nostalgia for me but you're there you're shaping them you're working with them what's going through your head as you're developing the scene well for me uh, one thing that the audience doesn't get to see is um you know as i'm working on this stuff i'm usually playing some kind of music that is related to the time period so if i'm working on something mm. from the 90s I'm playing either, you know, 90s pop music or 90s hip hop just to get in the zone, right? So the whole process is like a nostalgic trip. Like I'm just reliving those years of my life, right? And it, it's it's so exciting. Like it's just fun to me, right? Yeah. Um, so the process of building it is exciting and fun. But uh, also when I post it online, um, it's, it's really exciting to see some people's reactions because... Yeah. You know, often I'm reliving my childhood memories through a photo, but then when other people see it, they're able to relate too, right? And then they'll say yeah. like, oh man, I remember this, like I was in the seventh grade and, you know, I had this toy or whatever it is, right? And uh, that to me is, is really fulfilling as well. Can you share any comment that stood out for you? Um, nothing in, in particular. Again, it mm. just comes down to like when people say, like, this reminds me of when I was a kid, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like, on my 12th birthday, I got this same uh, Nintendo game or, you know, things like that. Like, yeah. that, that's, uh, that's really, it makes me feel good. <laughs> and then 
from like everybody on this planet can relate to nostalgia and and mm -hmm. especially when it comes to the particular type of nostalgia that you're producing and with the content there are a lot of celebrities that can also share that same nostalgia was there any post or repost from any celebrities that kind of caught you by surprise yeah uh, yeah, there've been been quite a few. Um, the first big one was uh, Will Smith. Mm. Um, I grew up watching The Fresh Prince, and I was a huge fan of the movies like Men in Black and Independence Day and all that. And uh, I I made a photo. Uh, this was back when that Michael Jordan documentary was airing, the yeah. uh, The Last Dance, and I made a photo of Will Smith and Michael Jordan talking about some sneakers. Yeah. And uh, he posted it on his Instagram page. And my mind was like, ah, you know, I was <laughs> crazy, man. Because like, this, this is Will Smith. Like, he's one yeah. of the biggest celebrities in the world. And he was, you know, someone that I really looked up to. So that was, that was cool. Um, I've got a lot of, like, DMs from, from people, um, just people that I looked up to in the music industry, just rappers, producers. Um, it, it's been, been really cool. It's been really exciting. Yeah. And especially when they're people that I used to look up to as a kid, like that, that means the world to me. Yeah. Um, now with the, I guess the content that you choose to go with, um, what was the inspiration for your Kobe Bryant ones? Kobe. So I, I've done a couple of Kobe photos. Um, I did one I think before he passed mm -hmm. and uh, that was uh, a photo of him Jordan and LeBron playing poker so that was kind of like a battle of the the goats I guess yeah, you'd say. Yeah. and uh, unfortunately he passed like maybe a month or two after I took that that photo mm. and uh, so on his birthday after he passed I made a photo of him uh, in heaven with uh, his daughter giving him yeah. a birthday gift right and Kobe, man, oh, like he had this obviously an amazing career, the best of all time. But I think the sad, the thing that makes it sad for me was I think he still had a lot left to give the world. Um, yeah. Not necessarily as a basketball player, but just as a, first of all, an ambassador for the sport. Right. And also, I think he had like lots of creative ideas. Like he was getting into filmmaking and, you know, yeah. he had such a positive influence. So that's, that's one of the things that really hurt me about him passing was like, it felt like he had so much more left to give and he didn't mm. get an opportunity to do that. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, done too many photos with him, but maybe I'll, I'll come up with something uh, again in the future. Yeah. So. No, you, you probably an interesting aspect of he was getting into other things and I constantly have like conversations with other artists of what is art and a lot of the times people leave out things that aren't typically found in an art class, whether it be sports, whether it be, I'll even go to the extreme and say, if you're great at investing in crypto, you've turned that into an art somehow. Right. And so like with Kobe, I feel like the reason why he was so good is because he was an artist on the court. And that's what translated into him starting to explore 
kids books starting to explore film and and so it's like with that what is your definition of art and what do you want your art to do well to me art is just expression right i mean it's uh i've got a lot going on in my head and uh sometimes it almost feels like a burden like to carry all these ideas mm -hmm. so the process of expressing them and creating art is therapy for me yeah so it's it's just allowing things to flow you know from the head down out into the world right so mm -hmm. wherever those ideas come from it's just uh pure pure expression um that's all it is and and uh when i do create art the as i said it's, it's a, intended for to be an expression but i also you know hope to invoke emotions in the people that view it too right mm. so when someone sees my art hopefully it's going to create some kind of emotion whether that is laughter or you know nostalgia yeah. or you know just having some kind of memory or feeling like oh wow this is cool right so yeah. um, that's part of it as well now with this particular art especially how how i pointed out before there's so many facets to it to make it complete which facet of it do you find the most difficult? Mm. Well, earlier on, you you mentioned um, things like lighting and all that. So yeah, for me, I think the the technical photography aspect is is probably the part that I'm least skilled at. Like sometimes it's very difficult to get things um, lit up in the way that I want them to look. And that's just, you know, experience. I don't have that much experience as a photographer. I think um, I'm more of like an ideas guy coming up with concepts and like crafting and those kind of things. Yeah. So um, I'd say probably the technical photography, but then sometimes it, it, it varies from shot to shot. Sometimes I'll have difficulty with even simple things like the, uh, the posing of the figures. Sometimes they won't mm. stay up, right? Or sometimes I'll need to use some kind of wires or something to hold them in a certain pose, right? Um, other times it may be difficult to paint something or craft something, but uh, it's it kind of varies from shot to shot. But I, I think the photography at this point is probably the most challenging part for me. Now, with the aspect of doing all of the work so it's tangible, when it comes to Photoshop, how much Photoshop do you put into your photos? Usually when I'm using Photoshop, the uh, main objective is to fix little blemishes here and there. So I'm not the best at crafting. Sometimes I may have like little nicks and scratches and things on, on the items. So I'll kind of erase those in Photoshop. I may touch up the lighting and, and uh, fix the colors and all that. But I generally don't like composite images in there. Like don't add things that aren't mm. physically in the scene. Yeah. Um, that's like an entirely different art form. People that work yeah. in Photoshop. Um, I like to, you know, have pretty much the, the entire scene being like a physical item, a tangible item. I'm just cleaning things up and making it uh, pop a little bit more. Fair. Now, just because it's, it's we've been throwing around the term scene a lot. Um, have you dabbled in stop motion? <laughs> I've had uh, so many people ask me about that. Um, I haven't. I feel, I feel like that's the natural evolution from where you are. 
It is. It seems like it would be. Um, I haven't tried it myself yet. Mm. Um, it's, I look at those stop motion artists and I have so much respect for them because it's so time consuming. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you're taking like maybe 20 to 24 frames every second just to move, you know, yeah. an arm or something. Right. Yeah. And uh, to do an entire scene, you know, to have at least 10, 15 seconds, that's going to take a long time. And you know, what happens if you knock the figure over, right? It's just like, oh, you know, so um, I, I would like to explore that at some point. Mm. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe that's yeah. something I'll get into. But uh, for the time being, I'm not quite ready for that, that time commitment <laughs> just yet. Fair. Yeah. Um, were you ever a fan of Parks and Rec? Actually, no, I haven't seen that show. No, there's a, a moment where one of the characters, of, one of the characters um, he was having like that midlife crisis thing of, I don't want to be in an office. I want to be creative. I want to. So he goes off and he does his own thing. And then like, at, I want to say the end of the episode now, like he's all disheveled, hasn't bathed. And then he's <laughs> like, I spent over a week with my new project. Check it out. And it's stop motion. And <laughs> It was like four seconds long. Like, <laughs> yeah. so? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I've like, got to watch uh, that episode. That sounds good. <laughs> oh, man. Now, with everything that you've created so far, is there an idea that's, that's on, your, on your notepad that you haven't touched yet? Well, like I said before, I, I've got a text file with tons of ideas. So, like, I've actually, yeah. I probably have over 100 ideas. Hmm. Um, it's just but a matter of in, in regards to it, you haven't touched it yet because you want to make sure you're ready for it, if that makes sense. Ooh. Huh. Um, I'm not quite sure if I have any ideas like that. I mean, maybe, maybe something along the lines of a stop motion thing, but uh, mm. I think for the most part, um, I've got enough of a skill set to get by doing what I want to do right now. Gotcha. Um, but I, I, I do, like I said, I want to get more into the 3D modeling and learning those skills. There's, I still feel like there's so much more that I need to learn. Um, I would love to like eventually learn how to sew and make my own little clothing for the action mm -hmm. figures. Um, you know, want to learn, get, get good at airbrushing and painting and just up my skills a little bit. Um, so yeah, there's, I don't know. It's just uh, anytime you learn a new skill, it unlocks a whole new set of possibilities for, for yeah. the art, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, out of all the projects that you've done, what's the one that speaks to you the most? And I'm curious to know how different your inner dialogue was when you were doing that project compared to all the other ones. Oh gosh, that's, that's a tough one. Cause like whenever someone asks me what my favorite photo is, like it's, it changes from, from week to week. Like, you know, it's, mm. it's always becoming something different. So, um, so then let's change it for, let's change the question then and not say just your favorite photo, but then your favorite action figure to put into your photos. Mm, okay. Um, I, I really love the, the Ninja Turtles. Those are some of my mm. personal favorites. Like I, any, any particular one is your favorite? Well, it's funny because I haven't used him very much in my photography, but my favorite turtle is Donatello. Um, just because he, like he was like the kind of nerdy tech guy. And also on top of that, he had 
the purple um, headband and purple is my favorite color. So mm. I really liked him. Um, but I, I've used like Michelangelo a lot in a lot of my shots and Raphael. So I got to figure out a good scenario to put uh, Donatello in. Is there, is there a thought process behind why Raphael and Michelangelo would be better for that particular scene? Uh, it just depends on the content of the scene. So like mm. most recently I did a scene with um, Raphael listening to hip hop records and stuff. Right. And to me, that's like, that suits his personality. Like he was the kind of edgier one in the group, especially in the movies. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I thought he would be a good fit for that. Mm. Um, for the Pokemon shot I did, I used uh, Michelangelo. So I thought he's more playful and kind of, Hey dude, check out these Pokemon cards. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of switch them up depending on the personality that I'm looking for, for the scene that I have in mind. Nice. Oh man. Like when it comes to action figures and toys now, I guess not just so much that, but what lends to your inspiration nowadays? Um, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of it comes from my childhood, but mm. sometimes like, but like, for example, modern, you, you did squid games, right? So what inspired yeah, yeah. something modern? Yeah. So sometimes it'll just be a franchise or property that I'm, you know, obsessed with at the moment. Mm. Right. So I was really into squid game at that time. I, I was watching all those episodes. I loved it. Um, sometimes, you know, I'll just be out in my daily life. Maybe let's just say I'm at a shopping mall or something. And I'll see a scene and I, I just think, ask myself, like, would this make for a good toy photo? Mm. Right. And um, sometimes it works out. Like, you know, like uh, if I'm out at a sneaker store, for example, I'll see that kind of shop and I'll like think to myself, like, oh, okay, I could pose these characters here and make it look like that. Or, you know, um, just creating things based on what I'm seeing in the outside world is sometimes uh, kind of a challenge to me. And I, I love, uh, trying to experiment and see if I can manifest it in like a miniature form. And then do you ever take your camera out and then take a picture of that moment to use for reference later? Sometimes, yeah, like just not my camera camera, but just my yeah. cell phone. I'll just yeah, uh, yeah. take a photo sometimes, especially like if I'm trying to recreate like a store, a certain yeah. type of store, um, I'll take photos of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Now, do you have a thinking face? Like if you're out in public, let's say you're, you're out at a restaurant and then there's a moment that just happens and then whoever you're with can just call you out on it. If you're thinking about a scene, aren't you? <laughs> I probably do, uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't know because I'm not looking in the mirror when it's happening. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably funny. like a blank stare or something or looking up or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How emotionally attached do you get to the things that you create um i don't know if there's an attachment per se but there's a definite uh investment and involvement i guess like especially during the process mm. like yeah during the process of creating it it yeah. uh takes over me like especially when i'm playing music in the background and just like reliving that that moment mm -hmm. um it takes over me like, and then once it's done, then, you know, I, I don't know if I have as much of an attachment to it. Um, it's more so in the, the process of uh, creating. Gotcha. Cause like, that's what I wanted to lead to was like, after you're done, what goes through your head when you're like, all right, it's time to separate each component and take it apart. Now, is there ever a moment where it's like, ah, this, I don't want to, 
dis dismantle this. <laughs> um, no, I, I think at that point, like when I'm done, it's kind of a, a sense of relief because mm. it's like, like I said, it's almost like a burden to carry these ideas in my mind. So I'm just like, get it out. And yeah. once it's out, it's like, okay, good. I took the photo. I can take it apart and then move on to the next thing. So I don't really have an attachment or anything. It's just, just like I said, it's just pure expression. Just getting yeah. it out of the system. Fair. Cause a common topic that I find when I'm, I'm speaking with actors, especially when it comes to the artistic process is the process of letting go. And mm -hmm. for you to have your turnaround time that you do and then put it away I feel if that were to translate into the acting industry, it'd be so much harder to <laughs> put away, especially like when, when you first start off, like I could probably admit if I was in your shoes and making, making these scenes and, and dioramas and putting it all together, I'd keep everything intact mm -hmm. the way it was just because and then I if I need more shoes I'll make other shoes because like I don't want to touch this one that's but that's where where my head's at when it comes to letting go what was did you did you ever have that kind of you know need to keep things together and then made the realization no I have to let go well unfortunately I don't have that, that luck luxury because I live in a tiny apartment so I don't have the space to keep everything like I mean Fair. at this point I've probably done a few hundred photos right so yeah. um just from a practical standpoint I have to dismantle everything and and uh, gotcha 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 start away. but yeah I'm, I'm sure like there are maybe a couple of pieces that I would have wanted to keep I guess but yeah. uh you know just can't do it yeah now you said you started getting into photography because you wanted to do that for your travels so you can take better pictures on your travels what is or what's the place in your heart for traveling oh that, that's that's a tough one um as i said I, I love going to places that are a little bit rough around the edges places that are, are different um than than what i'm used to here mm -hmm. in in canada um i loved traveling throughout Asia, uh, you know, Thailand, China, um, Cambodia, Vietnam, all, all these different places. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to pick one place, but I are think you, just are you 3d modeling right now by chance? Was that the 3d? Oh, just, printer? just finished. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if it was making too much noise. Well, I'm, I'm curious what's that going to be? Um, that is actually part of a synthesizer. I'm making a little music scene, um, and have mm. some synthesizers and stuff. So, uh, all right. Yeah. I'm looking forward I to that. My printer is running like 24 seven. So I'm always, that's funny. Stuff, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to like seeing if I can match up. All right. He said it was a, a synth. This is it. This yeah. is when we filmed it. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be a couple of weeks because I'm working on some other stuff as well, but gotcha, uh, gotcha, gotcha. yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> so with traveling, do you then allocate a particular amount of time a year to travel or was it that backpacking trip and then it's just travel whenever you get a chance? Yeah. Like, I mean, unfortunately right now it's not really financially feasible. Like any money mm -hmm. that I have right now is going into what I'm doing as far as the, yeah. either buying action figures or props or whatever. 
whatever, right? I'm mm-hmm. scraping by, getting by, you know, um, don't really have much to allocate towards travel. But uh, I think if the opportunity comes up, you know, um, I get a good deal on a, on a trip somewhere, then I may do it. But I'm not yeah. specifically saying I have to spend gotcha. you know, a certain number of time, amount of time every year traveling. So since you picked up the camera for the purpose of travel, how many places have you been to? Oh, um, at least a few. I'd say the most recent trip was uh, Hong Kong because uh, a friend of mine was getting married over there. Hmm. So um, I've got a few photos on there that I took on my personal Instagram page, um, just taking shots of random things. Like I loved um, the the buildings at night. So they had some yeah. really cool looking at all the different lights and stuff. So that was cool. And um, I also went to, uh, I went hiking in uh, the Southwest United States. Mm-hmm. So um, they had some, there's a place called the wave. It's uh, coyote buttes. It's in um, by utah arizona kind of area and they have this really cool rock formation so i took some photos of that too that was kind of cool and how much substantially better are your photographs now than before Mm, um you know (laughs) so in the last well i started taking photos in i say 2018 Mm. and 90% of the stuff that i've taken has been action figures right so i haven't really had that much practice taking landscapes um, aside from when I initially got the camera, right? So I took yeah. some photos at the beginning and then the rest of it has been all action figures. So I'm not even sure if I'm that great at taking photos of like humans, like actual people That's and so uh, landscapes and stuff like that. I don't know. I, <laughs> I have to try it out. That's sometime. interesting. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully like it can translate too. But then would you say, because it, I wholeheartedly believe it doesn't matter the type of camera that you have. It's about the eye. Yeah. So it's like, could you still have taken these photos with your phone? <laughs> no, they wouldn't turn out the same. Gotcha. Um, there, there is a significant difference between a phone camera and, yeah. and like an actual handheld, um, just as far as the lens, like there's much more flexibility. What do you typically, like- what, what lens do you typically shoot with? Uh, it depends. Like for my um, toy photography, I've got a couple of lenses that I, I use. Um, one of them that I really like is actually, um, it's a fisheye. Uh, mm-hmm. So it gives you like a really wide perspective and it kind of distorts the image in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I like using that on, um, I guess, portrait type shots because it makes the image pop out at you. It yeah. almost looks kind of surreal. Um, but then I, I've got just, you know, regular... Um, standard lenses like more uh, uh portrait lenses different things like that like nothing nothing too crazy yeah yeah now we're coming near to the end but i want to dive into a little bit and see and see if i can get your insight on i guess happiness um because it, it takes a lot to come to a place of doing something that you love. And I'm curious to know how you maintain that balance and how you keep that state of mind of, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think for me, happiness, it comes from personal fulfillment, like engaging in, in things and spending my time doing things that uh, fulfill me, um, things that allow me to express myself and things that allow me to learn and grow. And um, I've really prioritized happiness over financial gain. And, you know, it, it's a balance, right? I mean, you want to have enough money to get by and pay your bills, right? You don't want to be on the street. But at the same time, for me, money isn't something that um, I look to acquire in order to purchase material goods and that kind of stuff. Um, for me, money is, is like a, an energy, a power that you can use to make things happen and, and, you know, put food on the table and, and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, it doesn't really contribute to, to my happiness mm -hmm. and, uh, life as a whole, I think is just this, this really cool journey. Right. And, and, uh, it's kind of cliche to say, but like, I, I just, um, just love going out there and, 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 um, I don't know, I'm following this internal guiding light and you know wherever this is telling me to go i'll step in that direction and, and go for it without being too afraid of what might happen if things don't work out right mm. i just kind of march forward in the direction that i feel inclined to go and to me that's a big part of what contributes to my happiness what's something that you've learned and what's a way that you've grown with shooting these action figures and toys Mm. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, like, uh, I think a lot of it is just teaching me about the simplicity of happiness. Like, you know, I, I've learned not to get too wrapped up in, again, like in material things, like to me, just the process of creating these things is so fulfilling and, and it, uh, it's so rewarding to me. Right. Mm. And it just, it points to the idea that, uh, you don't need a lot to be happy. Like, you know, if you're engaged in something that um, uses your talents and your skills and, um, you know, engages you in, in such a way, that's really, I mean, the most important thing to me, just do, spending my time doing that kind of stuff. Did you learn this mindset from somebody or was this all just a self journey? This is definitely like long-term journey. Like this, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's not yeah. something that, it's it's one thing for someone to tell you something, but for yeah. it to fully be embodied in your being, yeah. like that takes takes a lot of time, right? And this yeah. is like something that I've developed over, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, so it's it's been a journey for sure. Could you go back then to the beginning of that journey to like the first time you heard it? And do you remember how it, the, that advice was delivered to you and how you've made that your own now? Mm, it's hard to say, you know, like it's just mm. been little, little steps. It might be like a book or yeah. like, uh, you know, a movie or something like that. So it's just been, um, not any one thing. It's just like tiny, tiny incremental, um, you know, things yeah. that I've heard or seen. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, I think that's all the power that we have. <laughs> um, <laughs> hold on. Let me uh, turn this off real quick. Are you running on solar power right now? Yes, sir. So it's wow, nighttime here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's an incredible experience. Like 
kind of just looking around the space during the day and knowing that everything is being charged by the sun. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> but, like, uh, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, like, if you um, leave your thing out, uh, leave your vehicle out uh, for a day, is that good enough to charge you for a full 24 hours or how, how does that work? Um, today was a really hot one. So my freezer and fridge were working a bit overtime. So that's why it's draining as sooner in the evening as it is tonight. But yeah. typically, um, yeah, I'm usually, I'm usually able to last the entire day and sometimes even into the next day. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Dwayne, man, seriously, thank you so much for coming and sharing your insight and exposing the fact that you don't do the complete seen and you're cheating sometimes but it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all it's all right but uh yeah man again thank you so much for coming out you are an absolute legend and oh, i am uh, looking forward to what other scenes you create in the future my pleasure and and thank you so much for the support like you've been one of the the day one i guess or og fans so i yeah I really, oh, thanks man really appreciate it. My pleasure it. for that. Yeah. But for everybody, thank y'all for coming out. Check out at Dwayne Shoots Toys on Instagram and check out his website. See everything that he's done. And if you were a fan of video games and toys and I guess even just playing when you were a kid, because the scenes that he creates is definitely something that'll bring you back. And if you don't know the characters, like, if you weren't into wrestling, maybe it'll get you into wrestling. I don't know. But there's a lot of nostalgia going on in this page, and I think you are going to enjoy every second that you spend on it. So other than that, everybody, the Two Degrees Podcast brought to you by the Play On Foundation. Thanks for coming out. And I'm tail. Thank you all for tuning in. Artwork by Monique Lizardo. Music by Kate Cole. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, share, tag us, whatever all the fun things people do when they like something. But most importantly, check out www.letsplayon.org for the Play On Foundation and lend your voice in bringing awareness to the neurological research for brain aneurysm detection and prevention. My name's Chavi. See you next time on the Two Degrees Podcast. <laughs>